All right, welcome to the fourth episode of Ogden Makers Podcast. I am your host, Rob Harsh. This is our first podcast of the 2019 school year, well, 2018-2019 school year, and I'm excited to have our first guest on. This is our principal, April Whipple, Mrs. Whipple, as the kids know her, and she's here today to talk about our amazing makerspace and how it came to be and what's happened so far in the makerspace from the its inception to, to right now. So, uh, Mrs. Whipple, what do you have to say? All right. Well, good morning, Mr. Harsh. Good morning. All right. Um, so the makerspace, we're actually in our fourth year of this entire process. And so I would go back to everything starting um, in spring of the 2015-16 school year. So I went with a team of educators from Vancouver Public Schools to Pittsburgh. And we did a visit there where they had an event around making where you went and visited a variety of different schools. And so on that trip, when we were walking around and visiting these schools, obviously it definitely hit home just what makerspace could bring to a school and the engagement that the kids had and also the future ready skills they were learning. And so on the flight back from Pittsburgh, we were talking as a VPS team and I said, you know, I think we could start something like this really small, even just this school year, because our art room was not used two days a week. Okay. And so I felt like if we gave the teachers an overview and just opened up that space, Uh, just to be more creative and challenge teachers to try things out, that that would be a possibility. So we actually did go ahead with making in the art room just the end of that school year where we set up a schedule and teachers signed up to use the space and just either brought their own materials or use the materials that were in the space. Um, At the end of that year. Like art supplies? Um, Some art supplies, some just things from science kits or things that we just had in the building. Okay. Um, And then at the end of that school year, I had talked with Travis Campbell and had explained where we went and what I was hoping for. And we ended up getting portables that year. So we had an extra classroom, which is Mm -hmm. unheard of in our building. And so with an extra classroom, I had proposed to him, hey, is there the possibility that we could really look at additional supplies and furniture to actually build the first elementary maker space? And so he had had some funds that he was able to make available. um, And so we created a proposal with a Mm -hmm. mission statement, a vision and some goals around making and were able to go ahead and set up our first makerspace for the 16-17 school year. We didn't have a staff member, um, but we had some, we called them makerspace moms, and they basically just kept the space organized. They were in charge of all the donation of supplies that came in, um, and they did a great job. They set it up, and they kind of took care of just the space itself, and then different teachers signed up to use it. Okay, amazing. Great. So for those of you listening uh, she mentioned Travis Campbell. Now he is a chief, ac- our chief academic officer here in the district, and he works with all building principal, elementary building principals, or is is it everyone? All. Okay, mm-hmm. all. Okay, great. Um, so what did you see from? What did you see that first year that it was in the art room? What did you see? Were teachers excited? Were they? Was it used much? What What did you notice that first? go around? Uh, the first start in the art room was mostly just getting people on board. So we had a few teachers jump on right away. And we just did a lot of documenting of photos and shout outs and complimenting the teachers that were using the space and sure. giving them chance to share the engagement of the kids. I would say when we really start 
started feeling it more was when we had the makerspace room the following year because we had all the materials. Okay. And then we also had set up, we actually wrote lessons for teachers to do. So we created the lessons and then we had each teacher go in and do the lesson with the lesson plans that we had created. So all the supplies were set out, the lesson plans were there. And we did that a few times throughout the year. And then the other times it was up to the teachers to create their own lessons. With that, what we noticed right away, one was the excitement and the engagement of the kids. Yeah. So they really loved being in the space. And then the next one was the the kids that became the leaders that were not what the teachers expected. So the leaders in makerspace are often not the same kids that end up being the leaders in the classroom. And so so it often surprised the teachers and it really gave the kids that aren't always academic leaders a chance to be the leader and to organize groups. So true. Yes, I've seen that myself. So you had some you had some teachers that were just onboarded very quickly, but then did you also have some reticent teachers that were like a little leery of okay, wait, I I still need some some time to buy into this? We definitely did. Okay. And so that first year, um, we actually did require every teacher to do certain lessons in there. And so some it took um, some time. So they needed to see their other colleagues go in there first. Mm -hmm. Um, Some we provide additional staff. So we said, okay, if you're a little hesitant, how about this time? Because then we can have another staff member go in with you. So I feel like it did take a little while, but um, we definitely all got there. We also worked closely with Tinker Camp. Um, Tinker Camp is an organization in Portland. And they are very familiar with makerspaces and run summer camps and programs in Portland public schools in the after after school. And so we partnered with them and they did training with the staff. Mm -hmm. And so the staff got a lot of experiences of what it felt like to be in a makerspace and to do activities. And I think they saw how much they enjoyed it, even as adults. Yes. And so then they wanted to bring that experience to their students. Okay, great. Great. So fast forward to last year. Mm-hmm. I got hired as the makerspace yes. teacher. And what was the what was the reason, the rationale that you wanted a, a certificated teacher in the space? Well, the conversations with um, our district leadership after the year one of implementation was positive, but that I felt like the program really couldn't grow without a person. Okay. That um, it was hard when everyone is just doing what they can but not having that person to guide it and to create uh, cohesiveness across all the different children that were in there and what is our focus um, was a challenge. And so we decided that the next space to really grow the program was to bring a person in. And we had seen models with makerspace teachers in Pittsburgh. Oh, so okay, we had good. already seen it before. And it was uh, working successfully back there. Yes. Oh, good. Yeah, okay. absolutely. So, um, so we were able to use K3 enhancement funding last school year to have you join us working with K-3 classrooms. And I feel like that was phenomenal because it allowed us to really focus in on the four C's, critical thinking, the communication, um, the collaboration, that creativity part. But then also at the same time, we were training people with the Buck Institute for project-based learning. And so we were also able to focus on that because with the makerspace, we do not want it to be craft time. Mm-hmm. We do not want it to be science experiments. Like it truly is making and that design process with challenges. And so I feel like by doing that, it was really able to streamline exactly what we're looking for when people are in the space. And then it created built-in professional development. So this is not a prep for teachers, as you know, because you're in yeah, here. Yeah. Um, but for our listeners, it's it's not a prep. So teachers come <laughs> 
with the Makerspace teacher and they team teach together. So they plan as a team with Mr. Harsh. And then when they're in the space, they're here working with their students with Mr. Harsh. And so what's built in to this is teachers then getting professional development by hearing, um, you know, what our Makerspace teacher, the language he's using, the focus on the four C's, the project-based learning with that idea that now they also have built in PD in their school day where hopefully they can take Maker back to their classroom. Yes. The... I got to say, the reception that I received last, my, my first summer here, when we had a training in uh, June, I think, that was, and it was Tinker Camp, they came by. And I had quite a few teachers coming up and saying, I am so thankful you're here. This is so great. Because it was maybe those a few of those teachers that were a little reticent or I don't want to say scared, but a little shy about coming in on their own now that I'm here to help facilitate uh, and that they do have to co-teach. They are, you know, building up their their enthusiasm and their confidence uh, of coming in here. So that's been great to see, too. Yeah. And one added benefit, too, um, when the teachers were bringing their own classes in because they're their range, I guess, of understanding of different technology pieces varies so greatly. There was more of a focus on the the use of materials for construction, which is great because that's one yeah. huge piece of makerspace. But another piece is that technology component. And so that's one piece where I feel like having a makerspace teacher who is familiar with the different electronics and robotics that we have in our space um, he can go ahead. You're able to bring that into the lessons and then the teachers are getting more familiar. Sure. So then they're more comfortable with, you know, bringing out a makey makey or a hummingbird kit or an Ozobot or whatever it might be, because yes. now they've co-taught a lesson on it. And even though they weren't comfortable before, now they are more comfortable. Yeah. We were just, uh, I had a group of fourth graders in here who were last year doing the robotics or doing the hummingbird kits and the teacher, uh, who is in her second year was kind of leery about what these are. And I said, Hey, don't worry. The kids will show you. They'll show mm -hmm. me. They will. They love these hummingbird kits. And for those of you listening, we'll, we'll be definitely posting some, some videos of, um, about what these hummingbird kits are after they complete these great, amazing projects. All right. So now it's eval time. How'd I do last year? How do you think, how, <laughs> how do you think, it went last year with, with a maker yeah. teacher in here. Do you think it was? Well, the we didn't intentionally do this, but we almost created an experiment in the building because the funding was K-3. Sure. So we had K-3 teachers who were able to have makerspace time with the makerspace teacher. And then we had four or five teachers that were using the space in the prior model where it was just sign up. The space was available for them and they could bring their classes in and run their own lessons. Um, and we saw a huge difference. So the participation yeah. rate between the K3 and the 4-5 was significant. Um, and again, not because 4-5 teachers didn't want to bring their students in. That's not the case. We definitely have a building where everyone's on board with this as an initiative. Um, but because it's it's another thing. Teachers have a lot on their plates. They do. And um, And so when that was just one more thing that they're trying to make time for, but then they don't have somebody there as a resource where you were that resource for the K3. They don't have that person to collaborate and plan with. It's not necessarily set into their schedule. Um, I just feel like it. We, we didn't intend for it to be an experiment to see. Um, but what we saw was that it really was necessary and it really made a huge difference to have a person that's guiding the work and focusing the work. It was also exciting because we were able to have that maker night 
Um, And that was a really great event. And we want to continue that because, again, we had a person that could take that on as a lead and, and bring families in to do activities in the evening. And so that's, of course, why this year now we decided to look at funding differently and create a model where we could serve K through five through our makerspace teacher. Yes, and I love it. I love working with the fourth and fifth this year. And it's so great because those teachers, last year, you're right, the, the, the teachers wanted to come in. I think just some were a little bit leery because I couldn't support, mm-hmm. but I could still plan with them. And I did. It's just that when they came in there, I had to kind of go do some work elsewhere, you know, student support, mm-hmm. things like that. But this year, I, I got to say, planning with the, I planned with, all the grade level teams as part of my professional growth this year. I wanted to focus on meeting with each professional learning community, uh, put a roadmap down and say, okay, where are we going to go for the first three months of school? And then we're going to meet again and so on and so forth. And planning with the fifth grade team, one of them said, I just got to say, I'm so excited this year because I get to work with you now. Mm-hmm. And it's us in there working together. And so that was really nice to hear and feel you know, supported and wanted. And it makes me want to step up my game and really provide the best time for those students when they're in here and also for that teacher so that they want to come back. Mm -hmm. So that's been fun. And one of the things that I like about my schedule here is that it's equitable, that it's not a flexible schedule that I get to see everyone on a rotation Mm -hmm. basis. And so if I think we were to go to like a flexible schedule and teachers just sign up when they want, I think we we might not see certain classes come in. Mm-hmm. But but with this fixed schedule, the teachers really appreciate it. They know when their week is coming up that they're going to be in here and so they can plan for that accordingly. So that's been nice too. And I guess I could summarize. So for listeners, that our schedule is built so that oh, every grade yes. level has a block of time um, during each day. And that block of time, so if this is a set second grade time, depending on the lesson, Mr. Harsh decides how long that um, project or challenge is going to take. So if it's a three-day challenge, they come during that block of time for three days in a row. Then it's time for the next teacher to come for three days in a row, and then the following teacher for three days in a row. And so they rotate through for one cycle, and then it's time for the next teacher to start again. So they're able to do that. Uh, throughout the year as many times as we can fit in yes yeah all right so next steps we are getting a brand new building next year with a dedicated maker space uh, for those of you listening we had to do some uh, musical rooms last year and yes. we and it was fine it was totally fine it worked out great but this is how much teachers wanted a maker space they gave up the staff lounge to <laughs> they, have maker space they did and they are in a cozy little uh, two office room and <laughs> It's been great. It's been great. The kids love the space here. But moving forward, we're going to have a dedicated space, hopefully a dedicated teacher in there, whether it's me or somebody mm-hmm. else. What, what are the next steps? Where do you see this going with PBL? Everything. Yes. Um, so obviously, we're extremely excited about our new building. We get to watch the walls go up every single day That's across the playground. Um, so first off, of course, having a space that's built for making and dedicated to making will be huge for the kids. Um, so that's one space, uh, piece. It also has access to the outdoors. It has a sliding door that goes up, um, and it's right next to the art room. 
So one thing I foresee is just the space alone is going to provide us opportunities. One for a lot of making in a huge outdoor classroom space that we have where there are gardens, um, rock gardens, there's sundial, those all sorts of space to do outside activities, Um, potentially partnering with art a little bit, being that they'll be right next door to the art room. One piece that as a school we're working on is project-based learning. Um, We have definitely done a school-wide project-based learning activity before called Designing a Dream, where we worked with the architects from LSW on our building design. And so we've actually designed another project that would be ongoing where each grade level has a green schools focus. Mm-hmm. And so one grade has, you know, life cycle of salmon, a different grade has recycling, one has water quality, um, one has energy. And the concept is that every year that grade level will do project based learning lessons around that concept. So that by the time students leave Ogden, they'll have had six different years of focus where they are actually taking ownership, they're doing things in our building to help our environment and help our community. Um, And so that's our focus right now is at least getting one of those lessons written. We just had a project-based learning training with our staff. Um, So this school year, we want to get one lesson written and implemented in partnering with Mr. Harsh. And then we want to grow that in the new building. And then I guess the other piece is the more that teachers have professional development here in Makerspace with Mr. Harsh is the idea that making and project-based learning will grow out of the makerspace and it will just be across the entire building. So the more comfortable they get with the process um, and the pieces of making that they will bring that into their own classrooms as well. Absolutely. We had a training uh, here at Ogden on October 12th, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. Around project-based learning. And we had a PBL coach from ESD 112 come and give the teachers some pointers and talk about, you know, what PBL versus what not is not PBL. And then the teachers in the afternoon had some plan time and it was absolutely amazing. The energy was high. Teachers were really focused on that green screen theme and the, the, the inquiry and the critical thinking. And then that end product, whether it's tangible or an intangible uh, thing was just was amazing and it, it got me excited to help them in any way that I can. Some groups are some PLC groups are ready to try it this year. Some want to maybe wait and get into the new building, which is mm-hmm. fine. But the planning, they want me to all help plan and they want that PBL coach uh, to plan with them. So that's it's just been really great to to have that happen. Mm-hmm. So we're looking forward to it. All right, any any last words of Um, I guess I would just say for buildings that are kind of hesitant on the diving in with making, it's just to to take a chance um, to realize that you do not have to be the expert, um, that it's actually better if you don't have the answers. And if you just go ahead and propose challenges and just give kids space and time and create some expectations around how they work together and that you'll be amazed with what the kids can come up with when they're given the opportunity. Oh, 100% agree. I was just chatting with a, a second grade teacher uh, yesterday, and she was commenting that, you know, last year they were first graders, and she said that the level of communication and collaboration was just off the charts in here. And because they were working, excuse me, third grade, sorry, mm-hmm. third grade. So last year they were second. Mm-hmm. And she said, 
just listening to them talk and work together, they're getting along better. They know how to work together now. You have those project managers that are stepping up. And she goes, and it's not the kids that you would expect in the classroom. So when they come here, they just shine. Mm-hmm. And that's been really great. And just so it reaffirms everything you just yeah. said. Because if you're looking for a reason for authentic student yep. talk, um, you know, you don't need to structure these opportunities in the classroom. If you've got making, that authentic student talk is going to come. And especially we have a lot of ELL learners. Um, it gives them a reason to need to communicate and an opportunity to communicate with their peers. And we've seen great things. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Mrs. Whipple, for coming in and being the uh, the first guest on the podcast this season. Uh Stay tuned. We're going to have more podcasts coming up very soon. I've got lots of groups already in here working on projects. We're going to be having student voice on here, teacher voice. That's important. So stay tuned. Um, you can check us out on it's, our podcast is called Ogden Makers. You can find us in iTunes. You can find us in the Google Play Store. You can also find this podcast on our school website under activities so go in give us a review tell tell us what you think we always want to make this show better for next time all right so that about does it for this episode thank you so much for listening and we'll talk to you soon